Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Emily. This is Alex. And this is Going Somewhere, the podcast where we share with you what it's like to live a location-independent nomadic lifestyle. Uh, we're American expats, which means that we're living abroad outside of the United States, and we spend all of our time traveling. Yeah, we do not have a permanent residence any longer. By choice. By choice, yes. So the reason that we're going to be talking about being nomadic and location independent is because we have been for the last eight months. We have been full-time slow travelers. Very so, slow. Pretty slow. I'm sure Medium there's slow. like slower. Probably. But what, <laughs> but what we do mean by slow travel for us is that we stay in each location that we visit for a month at a time. Yeah, that's usually the plan. Yeah. So we live in Airbnbs, um, long-term rentals and things like that. We live out of suitcases and... Yeah, about every month we move to a new location. We are currently in Split, Croatia, but by the time you hear this, we will be in Dubrovnik, Croatia. Or somewhere else, depending when you hear this. That's actually true, because I'm assuming you're going to immediately listen to this as soon as it comes out, and why wouldn't you? We hope you do. After all, it's probably just my mother. Probably. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> and her friend, Denise. I don't know Denise. Denise I don't know. I, I made up that name. Um, <laughs> so but yeah, uh, we travel. Um, we've been international travelers. We did start actually going around the United States. Uh, that was our initial dive into this lifestyle. And then we've been to Mexico and even Canada. So we did North America. Check. Mm-hmm. And then we flew over uh, the ocean to france we've been to italy and now we're like she said we are in croatia we also um did a brief stint in um, edinburgh scotland that's right yeah that was one place that we didn't stay for a month for you know um just maybe some reasons we'll talk about later on about when we get to the portion of our podcast where we talk about travel disasters um (laughs) it'll be like maybe a whole episode later down the line so yeah, kind of a great way to encapsulate the slow travel nomadic journey that we're on. Mm-hmm. It's not just vacation, it's our life. We live our entire lives traveling. So, you know, not to complain at all, like mostly great things happen, but you know. But it's life. It's, it's not life. just <laughs> like as much as we want it to be, it's not an eternal vacation that we're on. Right. Um, Yeah, we still have to do all the day-to-day things like, you know, be adults, take care of ourselves, get food, you know, clean our clothes, clean the dishes, work. Um, Pay taxes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, I have a like miniature heart attack every time you mention that, even though I just did it. It's fine. It's done. Um, Yeah. So all of of, like, you know, the regular stresses of life, although... Um, while those exist, they are like balanced out by the magnificence of, you know, getting to travel to new places and see new things every month. I mean, almost daily, you know, honestly, um, 
So really keeps things fresh for us. Yes, it's a very exciting most of the time. Exciting yeah. still. It, 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 Good or bad excitement sometimes. Yes. And yes. And that's what I was getting to. Sometimes you have like disasters happen. You have to roll with it because it's life. You can't just like go home and quit. So <laughs> that is kind of in a little nutshell what it's like to be nomadic, to be location independent. Mm-hmm. Um, you're traveling. You're having a great time. You're seeing the world. But everything is still happening because you're an adult and you have to do life. And so we are. And so we do. <laughs> um, part of what we do uh, while we're traveling the world, besides just taking it in with our own eyes and ears, is uh, we document a lot of our uh, travels on Instagram. We take pictures. We write little miniature, you know, Instagrammable size captions about our experiences and, you know, stories and reels and things like that. Sometimes we do some silly things. Definitely. Yeah. I try to do more silly things. We um, actually, you can find us on Instagram at Emily and Alex. Um, we actually have a series of reels that we do called Trip Syncs. Speaking of silly. Where we lip sync some of the like all time most like iconic songs in front of the most iconic locations in the world. Not so, always do they line up with iconic and iconic. Oh no, like it's completely absurd. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's completely absurd. Um, but, you know, through our process of documenting this journey on Instagram, we started receiving a lot of questions from a lot of people um, about our lifestyle. And, um, you know, we decided since, like Alex said, Instagram is kind of for small things, small videos, photos with little mini mini vlogs or mini captions hashtag trip sync um <laughs> <laughs> trip sync is what the the lip sync videos yep. are called um yeah so everything on instagram is kind of well as the name says it's like instantaneous it's like it of the moment you know and it's a different way of sharing things but for some of these questions that we get we thought well these are like questions that are worthy of a conversation of discussion and something that we're interested in talking about and sharing with people um, and having like a full-on discussion and also a place that we can organize our thoughts in a separate space that you can reference if you ever have a question you can go back to an episode and kind of listen yeah. to us you know address your question and you know also feel free to ask us questions um, because you know, there, there's endless subjects that we can talk about when it comes to this lifestyle. So, you know. Send us an email. You'll see it in our uh, links in our description of these yeah. podcasts or on our Instagram. Yeah. Leave a comment anywhere um, and we'll get to it. Um, and then I guess that brings us to the point of all this. Of know. this one. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, this and this one. The reason that we're starting a podcast is to, you know answer some of your questions it won't be just about answering questions it'll be about sharing our journey as well but you gotta lay some groundwork yeah it's gonna i I think all in the end it'll serve to answer your your questions that you have and that you know some people probably are afraid to ask um so like what's one of our number one questions that we're gonna get to well the number one question that we get is how are you able to do this uh it is like a pretty general question, but I do get the question. You know, I, I think that um, what we are doing is an idea that seems very unachievable to most people. And it did to us at first. Absolutely. It yeah. seemed like something that was just an empty pipe dream of fantasy. Exactly. And so we were like, okay, we're going to fill up that pipe and we're going to smoke it. And... The metaphor. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> oh, anyway, um, so yes, the number one question that we get asked is how? How are you able to do this? Well, you know, I feel like before we jump into how, I think we should address the question that most people don't even think to ask. Why? 
Why are we doing this? Well, I feel like if you answer why, it kind of answers the how also. Sure, it gets you. It gets you rolling in the right direction. I okay. think, um, but I feel like there's definitely reasons, like why we started doing this, which you're correct. Like why we started doing it led to the motivation, which led to like how we started doing it. But if we didn't have that motivation in the first place, we never would have started doing it. So like in order to do something, you have to have a reason to do it. Like you have to establish a cause. Okay. Yeah. To do something, right? Like, <clears throat> and, and and that's the why. The cause. Your reasoning for doing it. The cause, like, like what made you do this? And I feel like if you're gonna do something huge, like change, like majorly, <laughs> majorly change your entire life and mm-hmm. lifestyle, you better have a pretty good like why are you doing it before you even like get to the how because you can't figure out how to do it, like you know. Unless you know, like, why you're doing it. Like, what are the elements that set you up to be motivated to do this? Because they're different for everybody. And then whatever that is, is going to lead you to your how, which is also different for everybody. So it's, like, really important to identify those things before you start, um, which, is, which is what we did kind of unknowingly. I think at the time, like we didn't have, we didn't sit down and have a conversation and be like, now why, what is our cause? What is, you know, like, but I can look back now and know that we had a major, major why before we even got to how. So I, I, I just feel like yeah. that's pretty important to address before we even jump into how we did this. Why, why did we do this? Easy answer. I can shortened to like a sentence we wanted to yeah and like it sounds crazy but sometimes that's enough yeah we had to you know we did sit down and talk and get surprised that both of us both wanted to it's, mm-hmm. it's a scary thing to just decide to leave all of the known things you have for the unknown yeah and i think the biggest thing that we took away from this is that we realized that we were like we wanted something different than everybody around us seemed to want right like everybody around us seemed to be like after some idea of security or retirement or stability um and all of those things, I just seemed like super boring to me, to put it like lightly. Um, I think that we both just knew throughout our lives that we wanted something different. We just never had any examples of people in our lives that were living an unconventional lifestyle that, you know, did things that that showed you that you could do something different with your life. And, and what I mean by that is I think we were both like very much a product of our time when we grew up. Um, I'm 38 or nine. You're somewhere in there. We're in our late thirties. We're in our late thirties. I don't know how old I am. It means we were born in the 1980s. Oh, I was born in 1983. I do know that. You can do the math. And yes, and Alex was born in 84. So if you know anything about that, um, you know the environment that, you know, kind of a white upper middle class gal might have grown up in, which is very much that Reaganomics era yeah that nuclear family thing going on yes which i did yeah like i grew up in the nuclear family it was um i think um culturally was kind of like when that yuppie kind of lifestyle seemed like like, it was the ideal yes like it, it was it was very much like that or like you know the wasp or the yuppie life or the like you know like like uh 
coked up like Wall Street, like business, business, business deals, money, stocks, trade, go get it. Like, um, buzzword. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Finance, finance, you know, like, what are you doing? I'm in finance. Buy low, sell high. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was just like all the, you know, it, it was like, what were your options to grow up? Okay. Well you can be, you know, a teacher or a banker or, you know, like you had all of these, like not saying there's anything wrong with that. But you had all these, like, um, you know, conventional choices that were laid out. Pre-established. Pre-established roles. Um, If you wanted to be, like, a dreamer, you could say you wanted to be an astronaut, right? Because that was, like, (laughs) kind of like the... And everyone was like, you can try, but good luck. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, you know, so it was, like, I feel like the environment that I grew up in, I was always discouraged from doing anything that seemed risky or unstable you know like because by the time I became a teenager and started thinking about more what I wanted to do it was put to me you know like stability 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 Mm -hmm. you know you don't want to go into this or that because you know you can't pursue a career in the arts because what would you do that's not a job you don't make money that way and it was all about making money, making money, making money, buying a house, getting a safer retirement car. Yeah. Yes, getting a four hundred one k, meeting a person, having two point five children, you know, um, all of this stuff. And I mean, I feel like you kind of experienced similar. I had you know similar like, I guess goals I was you know directed at, but I didn't have the same situation as you i had uh i was raised by predominantly a single mother um i did have a father but you know that they divorced when i was young he passed away when i was a teenager went through that mm-hmm. um i lived in southern california in like the suburbs of hollywood and burbank oh yes and i should mention i grew up in the american south so <laughs> very different south it's different yeah socal and the south totally different if you don't know um and you know i i did a a different route than the typical uh i guess people of my generation i didn't uh, go get a degree in uh, a university or college i just took a few classes and semesters and didn't finish but what i did do is i i took careers a few of them (laughs) And I feel like that was another thing that we were kind of offered in high school. Like there was literally um, a choice that we made in high school, whether you were going to go um, collegiate or um, um, trade. I wasn't even really offered trade, which was interesting. Yeah, there were like two paths and programs in high school. You would, you would decide if you wanted to go into one or the other in the class that you take with these. So like they're already asking you in high school to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life and mm-hmm. to know like which one that you want to go into. Well, I came from a place that pressured me into going to college. Like that was just like what you what everybody did at that time in the place that I was at. Yeah, and I was uh come from the place where like it was assumed I was going to go to college and I kept asking for what? <laughs> and <laughs> I, I didn't get a good you're answer. You're supposed to know? Like, you're supposed to know? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm supposed to decide as a teenager, you know, I'm going to take this path because I'm going to end up at the end and finish line here. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that route. I'm still, you know, I'm barely figuring out that route now. <laughs> because I feel like that was also at the time when um, going to college became more of a... Um, typical thing for high school graduates to do it was like most of the class you know were especially where I grew up in kind of a white upper class middle class white middle upper class (laughs) um like area of, of the south it was like that was just what you did and it was actually kind of like sold to you in the way of like that's what the certain type of person if you wanted to be this certain type of person well you better go into you better go to college but you also have to follow this prescribed path mm-hmm. and know what that is yeah I, I didn't i didn't fall into the prescribed path because i just i didn't even have many examples of people who 
you know, with college degrees actually did a career that had anything to do with their college degree. So I didn't see the real, you know, blending of those ideas working out. Yeah, like the marriage of that, like that step-by-step like process that they think is going to happen, like the cause and effect, like, you know, like, yeah. So I just did a lot of uh, self-study and on-the-job training. I did many different things. I was kind of all over the map. I I did do finance to begin with. (laughs) Go figure. I even did computer tech for a while. And that got me uh, from Southern California to Northern California. And I did a few years in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Love it there. Go Giants. Uh, (laughs) What? Hey, if I'm going to like a baseball team, I'm going to like the Giants. I thought it was really fun there. I didn't know you liked any baseball team. I don't really like baseball. That's why I was like, what? (laughs) Who's sitting next to me right now? Did you just if say I had a sports to... ball game? Yes, I know. Game? Go fanball. Yeah, fanball. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry, this is a different podcast. Yes, we took a turn <laughs> yet again. All right, listen up, sports fans. Or don't. I don't know. Tell the rest of your story. But yeah, uh, I was. Uh, I did different careers. I was in tech in the Bay Area, and then um, be- due to the fact that if you don't know, San Francisco is very expensive to live in. I needed to save money, so I ended up moving back home, uh, back with family, and I took small retail jobs to begin with. I started saving money, paying off my debts, got into cooking, started working for a catering company, and uh, it was just around that time that uh, I actually met Emily, where, um, believe it or not, we actually met on a dating app. (laughs) A lot of yeah. people, you know, think it's doesn't work out. It does every once in a while. It's just another place to meet somebody. Yeah, it it worked out for us, um, and it's actually pretty funny that it did because neither of us were really looking for anything serious. Yeah. Um, we were. It was a dating app. Come it, on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. I think we both had ideas of like just dating and having fun. And then like once, you know, by our third date, we were just like, oh no, that's not going to work anymore. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, it was funny. Um, we got each other. Yeah. It, it just kind of, in a lot of different way. ways. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's when you met me. And by that time, um, I was, kind of um taking my first steps into deviating from that prescribed path right that was <laughs> given to me as a young adult um i had actually made up my own job by that point and had my own business so um to kind of backtrack on my background is like i said i grew up in the american south the you know nuclear family you know white upper middle class very like not diverse high school um everybody went to college you're expected to go to college blah 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 but you know you're expected to know what you wanted to do um before you went to college because then where were you going to go to college oh my god like so i decided i wanted to be a fashion designer but then everybody was like no no that's you can't do that yeah, because there are no careers in fashion, And right? I was like, well, if it's not a job, then then why is it a job? Oh, well, it's not a job that, like, real people have. Come and, and Like, <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, Hugo Boss. Well, that's, um, well, that's the kind of example that I was given, though. Like, that is, like, a one in a million thing. Like, you're not going to become a fashion designer. Well, I'm like, okay, I realize I might not become, you know, a household name fashion designer but there's there's so many more people who work in the fashion industry there i mean it's it's a huge industry um and you know many different angles to it getting a degree in fashion design didn't mean i thought i was going to become like you know a fact like a huge fashion designer but the thing was is that nobody around me had an example of that um, I think like somebody 
had known somebody who was a fashion designer for somebody else and like he got laid off and was out of work so it was like only there was only like a bad example of that and so nobody in in my life you know like encouraged me to do that I was always artistic and creative I knew I wanted to do something artistic and creative and I was encouraged to you know develop those parts of me um but I was not really encouraged to do it as a career. Um, so I pretty much got told like, well, you can't go into fashion design unless you have something practical to fall back on. Oh yeah, the good old practical. You're good old practical to fall back on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. It was like everybody's worst fear in life that I would end up unstable, um, you know, and you showed them I know. <laughs> um, but you know it just goes to show like sometimes you just have a personality type okay like yeah and it, and it just it's okay to want something different or that seems risky to other people so yeah I ended up going to get like an associate's degree in business well finally I decided I really don't want to give up art but maybe if I approach it from a more practical background people will get off my case so I went into art history and academics, um, and for some reason, people were like, yeah, that seems fine, um, <laughs> you know, and which is hilarious because art history is the, the degree that everybody jokes about, like, having right. a degree in art history is useless. Well, I also showed them because it wasn't useless because I got my um, undergrad and I got my master's in art history and I ended up with a job in a museum. You are like the one person I know that went to school for something and then got a career in that subject. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other people out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like, believe it. Yeah, there were a few like, people. Besides doctors and with. lawyers. <laughs> right. And, and, and it's weird because, like, yeah, that's the one that everybody, like, pushes, you know, in a lot, you know, as, like, the sure thing. But it's like I know somebody who got a law degree and didn't work in law, you know, so anyway, I digress even further, but I ended up working in a museum, um, which, you know, not realizing at the time actually started, you know, cultivating my interest in traveling, thus the life that I have now. I worked with the photography collection when I first started working there, and so I was looking at these amazing landscape photos um, from, like, in fact, like the first time I ever heard of Croatia, which is where we are right now, like the Dalmatian coast is because, you know, I was looking at Elliot Porter and Laura Gilpin photographs in the collection of the museum that I worked at. Um, and, you know, hearing about new places and seeing photos of them. And I was working in um, cataloging and research at that time. So I could take as much time as I wanted to research anything and, you know, I was really learning about travel in different places and different cultures without really realizing that it would be something that I would actually do someday. Um, <clears throat> you were just taking a travel through these photos. Exactly. Yeah. It, it really just opened up my mind and it, what it eventually did was open up my mind um, <laughs> past, you know, even working at an institution under somebody else um, because what happened is I um, got a promotion which actually turned out to be like the worst thing and I know it sounds like a good thing but it took me from a job I love to a job that I didn't love anymore and I ended up in more of like an office environment as opposed to that environment of like exploration and research and mm -hmm. hands on the collection I was like ended up in like an office meeting presentation you know, type of environment and fun. It just wasn't for me. And, you know, meanwhile, I had kind of started working on my own business when I was at the museum. So um, if you guys know me, you'll know what it is. If you don't know me, it's going to sound really weird, but tell them stick with me. This is going somewhere. Huh. Um, <laughs> I started a small handmade accessories shop. And what I specifically did is I made um, Mickey Mouse ears. I made custom Mickey Mouse ears. 
Um, I am what I kind of describe as a recovering Disney fanatic. Um, I used to it's be, a process. It's a process. I was way, way, way into Disney, you know, to the back where like my life and my business revolved around it. But okay, so you know the mouse ears that they have at the park. Well, they haven't always been as good as they are now. Um, if you don't know, they're little headbands you put on your head, mostly probably marketed towards children, and they have ears <laughs> like mouse. I think it's it's cute that you think they're marketed towards children because well, they're clearly marketed towards you know women with disposable income. <laughs> but <laughs> um, <laughs> I look, I was in I was in the business for seven years. Oh, that's right. Um, I never once did I sell a pair of ears to a child. No, I'm just kidding. But like <laughs> obviously if it was their parents were buying it for him. But honestly most of my customers were women my same age, you know, with a certain amount of disposable income, you know, Disney income. Um, you know, and uh so yeah anyway the mouse ears at the park They've gotten really good over the past few years. Well, the reason for that is because, oh, you know, eight years or whatever ago when I started, small shops started popping up and making these customized mouse ears because the ones at the park, the only ones they had were like black with a red bow or whatever. Yeah, pretty simple. So people like me started making like really, really unique ones and they still do. They're still out there if you want to look for them. Um, they're, you know, and then what happened is Disney kind of saw this happening and started making their own. Well, my business took off um, after, I mean, six months it started like really gaining. And then after a year, it had just like really wow. taken off to the point where I was comfortable leaving my full-time job that I went to graduate school for to pursue my business because it made me happier. And it's what I wanted. And it was a risk. But it, it it was, you know, unstable. Anytime you, like, start your own business, it's risky. Um, but this was, like, my first shift into that. And what if we think about it, you know, a little bit harder. Okay. What, what, was I, what, was, what was I doing? What would you say I was doing? Was I, like, maybe a fashion designer at that point? That's crazy. You know, hmm. if you put it that way. Yeah. I was literally <laughs> designing fabrics. I was designing um, um, concepts. I was making mm -hmm. my own fabrics. I was making my own bows. I, I was manufacturing them yourself. Designing and making all of my own accessories. Um, and shipping them. And shipping them. So it was like a one-woman thing. Um, but yeah, so not better at all because I became a fashion designer. And then you know what? I decided I don't want to be a fashion designer anymore. Um, it wasn't that simple. But um, <laughs> yeah, it took a while. You know, <clears throat> basically, um, I I discovered for me it was easier to sacrifice that perceived stability that people said I was supposed to want. Um to be happier and around that time you know I was living where I had gone to college and grad school in Fort Worth Texas and it was boring and I didn't like it and I thought well I can sit here and talk about how much I don't like it and I can try to get away every chance I get or I can just move somewhere where I'm gonna be happier so I moved to Anaheim because I was like I said and what's in Anaheim Disneyland <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, you know, 100% like interested in Disney at this point in my life. I moved to Disneyland because I wanted to. And so that was kind of like my second huge leap into this unconventional risk slash reward, you know, type of life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was it was a huge shift in my life, but I was starting to realize that taking a risk is worth it if it's really going to make you happier, and you know it did, and 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 that's how I met Alex because that's what got me to Southern California, and just the right direction of swiping on the the right profile, and here I am. <laughs> Just as easy as that. Might be a few steps in between there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so that she had her own 
independent career that she had invented when I met her. And I had never seen anyone who'd done something like that. I was very impressed. I tried to hide how impressed I was for a while. <laughs> but I was like, you do your own, you made your up your own job. Like one, she didn't tell me what she did right away. She just told me like, I have my own business. And I was just like, that's very cool. Eventually she let me know what Eventually it was. I said, I design it and sell accessories. Yes. And then, vague, very vague. And then I made you at least take me to Disneyland on one date. You didn't make me. It before. was my idea. It was, well, you know, it was your idea. She but... did live across the street from Disneyland. It seemed like a really obvious one to do eventually. <laughs> I, and I did have an annual pass. So, yeah, I remember when you suggested Disneyland, it was like our fourth or so, fourth or fifth date. Something like that. Yeah. And um, we were there, and you kept saying things about people's mouse ears. Because at the time, I was just, I had no... They had just started making different ones. I was like, they like I, I remember pointing. I remember this because I remember pointing at a rack and I'm going, "That's a lot of mouse ears." Just like I was like, "There's like different colors." And he was getting impressed because people would walk by us and he would be like, "Wait, there's a different. There's a different. There's look like they made them themselves. There's look like." And I was like, "Oh God, okay, like just stop. I have got to tell you what I do now. <laughs> Finally, I have to tell you what I do because you need to stop being impressed by all these other mouse ears." It was like a jealousy thing. Like, <laughs> stop being impressed by all these mouse ears because I'll show you what a mouse How ear dare you looks look at like. Ears. Yeah, quit looking at mouse ears. <laughs> We're on a date. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was at that point where I fully explained what I did, and you fully were like, "Oh no, you really, you just made up a job." Yeah. First, she had explained what it was she did, and I had to learn that. And then when I understood, I was just like, "You just made that up." No, I can't take credit for, like, making up mouse ears. No, but, like, to do it yourself, or though. Or to, to even do it myself. Like, there were, like, two or three people that were actually doing it at the time that I started. Okay. okay. Um, what I did is I just did it. I made it my own, you know? I didn't right. do exactly what this person was doing or exactly what that person was doing. I made my own, you know, style and, you know... I started designing my own fabric right away, which is what set that's me cool. apart. That's, yeah. I'm still think I still think that's really cool. So, um, yeah. Um, and then, like we said, we met on the dating app. At mm -hmm. the time, we both lived in Southern California, and we weren't looking for anything serious. Um, because, like, if we had been, Alex had no business being on a dating app. Okay, because he was about to move to Palm Springs. I didn't know initially. <laughs> it, the, during our first couple dates, life took another turn as it does, <laughs> many in my life. And um, I ended up having to move. I left my, at the time I was working retail, and I left my job, and I moved in with my uncles in Palm Springs. And so I left one family home to another family home because they were even, you know, that we were all leaving the house. And uh, so, yeah, I had to let Emily know I'm moving to about two hours with no traffic away. If you're Cal lucky, yeah. In California, you know what that means. Um, and, you know, do we want to keep this going? Do we want to go for it? I believe you have it the other way around, though. Um, I really feel like you're mistaken because I was the one who called you up and was like, we need to talk. <laughs> because I was like, you you just kind of told me you're moving and you're like buying a house. Yeah. And I was like, uh, but I already like you. And then... So I had to figure out, like... I wasn't breaking up with her, just to let well, her no, know. Well, no, but you were also her... being, like, super vague about everything. You are just like, oh, yeah, I'm moving. It's no big deal. It's two hours. And I'm like, but, like, permanently? Like, you didn't even know at first if it was going to be permanent or not. Or you had told me you weren't sure. I don't know. Anyway, I was just like, one day, I was like, I got to call you. And we've got to <laughs> talk. Like, really talk about this. Because I really like you. And I need to know... Like, if we want to keep doing this, we have to decide if we're going to do it long distance. And if not, I need to say goodbye now because I don't want to get hurt. And, you and know. And then we said goodbye and we never spoke again. <laughs> and it's been a long time. <laughs> Good to see you again. Oh, yeah. How have you been? 
yeah, so clearly um, after that conversation, we decided we were going to make long distance happen. Yep. And that turned into many almost daily, if not daily, phone calls where we yes. just, just just talked and opened up to each other. For hours. And like we really, really, really got to know each other. Mm-hmm. We would see each other on the weekends, um, but we would miss each other like crazy during the week. Um, and so, yeah, after six months, I was like, what we if would visit each other. We just moved in together, you know, because um, Alex had bought the house because. Yep, you I know, got a fixer upper. We were still kind of like following that path. Like, I think you were still kind of trying to follow that prescribed path. Like I, I did job. I saved money. I bought house you know like security yeah stability um like yeah having a house having a place that you know you were even so um kind of worked up about stability and security that you you i mean you basically like almost outright bought your house to where you were like um you know because you were craving security that much that you were just like, I want to have a house and they're not taking it away from me. And I'm not, you know, like I own this house and it, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, it was like, I think you were really, really at a point in your life where you had, you'd been all over the place. You'd realize that regular jobs just didn't work for you. You, you didn't have like a regular housing situation. You were living with family. You were, you know, trying to mm-hmm. save money for this like goal that, you know, you were told you were supposed to have of having like this stable in this house and not stable like this stable. yeah the stall <laughs> me and the horses you i know. wish you had a stable <laughs> i love horses <laughs> oh my god if i could have a horse i wouldn't be doing this right now i'd just be at home with my horse um sure but <laughs> anyway yeah so you were like deeply committed to the stability thing yeah and so i thought okay well i want to be deeply committed to you so i can do this i can you know I, I want to do this. I want to be with you. I want to move into your house. You know, I could live anywhere. I had my own business. I did um, ask her. She didn't just say, I want to move in with you. I'm yeah, like, you did ask me too. She didn't tell me that when I asked. Yeah, I do tell you a lot of things like um, like when I proposed to you. She did that after we moved in. Yeah. Not immediately. Not immediately. It was like... Um, it, it took like a year. A year of knowing you. It was probably six months after I moved in with you. But it was like we had known each other for a year when I proposed. Oh, um, the timeline gets vague around there because yeah. shortly after uh, you moved in, mm-hmm. um, I had gotten another job and I was become I became like a traveling salesman basically. And I was traveling all over uh, California, Southern California, going places, selling the products. And you were, you had just gotten, you were looking for stability and you'd gotten the job at a was it a museum it's not a museum it was oh my god i can't even start to talk about this i was sold a job as an archivist for a museum that didn't exist but and i find this out later for a collection that didn't exist anyway it's like a whole thing but i also got kind of trapped into this like frantic frantic like security security stability stability thing because we were you know, together we were in a house, we were, you know, kind of taking those steps towards mm-hmm. marriage and thinking like, well, this is how this goes. Now we have to, now I have to stop having fun and be stable. And I have to like, you know, prove my stability to this person. And, oh, fuck, I was miserable. Yeah, and you were still doing your handmade shop, but you were yeah. like, you were slowing down a bit. <clears throat> so yeah, anyway, it's this whole thing with this job, but basically it was so boring. It, it was a job that really didn't exist. Um, and I, w- I did nothing essentially, except for there were like lots of travel. There yeah, you was lots go to of seminars and stuff, right? Yeah. So, anyway, we were both traveling a lot at that time. So, spending either one of us at the house or neither of us at the house. Mm-hmm. And also spending a lot of time on the phone. <laughs> right. Again. And then, and then, so, you know, it was like, um, this Again, is like 2019. We're just realizing, you know, we spent all this time not being together and now we're together and we're still not together. And then 2020 happened. Well, yeah, like right at the end of 2019, 
you you left that job. Oh yeah, I lasted like three or four months at that yeah, job. It was like done. it just yeah. it didn't. I encouraged I her. Miserable. It didn't make sense. Like don't be miserable. I have this other job. You can still do your handmade shop. You know, it's not like Disneyland's gonna randomly close anytime soon. <laughs> well, yeah, we all know what happened in twenty twenty. <laughs> Everything snowballed like it did for everybody, and it wasn't just Disneyland closing. It was. You know, small businesses of all types suffered. Some um, other businesses I, laid people off, like yours truly. Yeah, Alex got laid off from his job because of 2020. Um, and, you know, my business was actually doing, I can't complain, you know, based on all the other factors that were happening to people around. True. But I did have to, like, shift into, like, mask making because it was, like, the time when you know, if you knew how to sew, you had you had to start making masks and that's what was needed. And I kind of had to shift into making more accessories that weren't just mouse ears that you wore just to the parks, you know. So I was, you know, trying to shuffle a lot around to keep my head above water and Alex's as well because he got laid off. So there's your stability, right? Like it blows up in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think like, a lot of other people at that time like we started just losing faith entirely in this idea of security because the entire world everything around us felt unstable because it was you know we were on lockdown you know all all these things were happening people you know you guys know what happened i don't have to tell you you. (laughs) like we all had you know and, and and alex and i were so lucky you know, because what it really did for us was make us realize exactly what we want. Um, and, you know, we got to end up spending more time together, which is what we wanted in the first place. Um, and then you proposed. And, and then I, no, did I before COVID? I don't remember. It was around yeah. like, we got okay so our wedding was supposed to be during 2020 yes yeah, so we might have already been engaged i think we were engaged pre like covid hitting and we the planned, US. yeah we planned on like maybe taking a year to get that in order i don't know we kept deciding things would take i don't a know year. like i literally it's not important i can't remember because it's not what happened but <laughs> um you know we um yeah so we were engaged at some point there um we had been planning a wedding we were gonna keep it small do something like go to vegas well you know that just kept getting more and more complicated as time Mm -hmm. went on at that time so we ended up uh, canceling all those plans and getting married in that house's living room Mm -hmm. on webcam Mm -hmm. with the county register yeah (laughs) with the courthouse or whatever on the the clerk video chat and Mm -hmm. yeah we got married at home and then we went on a honeymoon just for the weekend just the two of us because yeah that's all we wanted was to be married and be with each other it really wasn't about the wedding or the party or anything like that our family was fine they really understood you know Mm -hmm. they understood why we wanted to get married and it was for us and so we just ended up doing it and not having a wedding at all. And, you know, at, at that time, um, Alex, you were looking for other jobs, but it just, you didn't want them. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I did not. Um, I was looking and I was realizing while I was that was happening and seeing Emily work and helping her as like best I could because I'm not... I don't know how to sew. I'm, I'm not a good sewer. I can like cut fabric with scissors poorly. And I realized I wanted the same ideal that you had created for yourself, which was this independence, this freedom that I had not experienced before. And so you started working for the shop, which basically didn't work because you, you were working for me. And it was too much of a like, boss dynamic like boss and employee dynamic when it's you know hard when it's husband and wife dynamic it just it just the lines got really blurred yeah Yeah, and we realized right away that we couldn't keep going that way would be bad for a, a relationship but we still knew we wanted to do something together 
we knew we wanted to be independent creators. Um, and we knew we had to build something together from the ground up so that we could both have like equal ownership and pride and responsibilities. And there wasn't like a, this, I'm the boss cause it's my company dynamic. So we like got a huge piece of paper and wrote all down, like everything we loved, all of our dreams. And, you know, we ended up circling the things that like a word cloud kind of, mm-hmm. we ended up circling all the things that we had in common or that we were the most interested in. They all turned out to be like, basically like travel and see the world and experience new things and create. Um, create, just create. create. Make art, make photos, make videos, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, so that's kind of when we started talking about travel more and realizing how much we were both interested in it and that we could invent a life doing it um and at that same time we we started realizing that we didn't really like where we lived we we didn't yeah like really the area we lived in we didn't like living in the desert and Especially um, in summer. Ugh. We lived in Desert Hot Springs, which is right outside of Palm Springs. Um, yeah, Those like, are very different, by the way, if you don't know. Yeah, and even Palm Springs. I'm sorry. I'm not a huge fan. Um, Neither of us golf. Yeah, it. it's just... I understand the appeal. It just wasn't us. It just never felt oh, yeah. like us or what we wanted. Um, we realized too at that point that having this house was more of like an anchor than a security we didn't it didn't make us feel like much more secure it just secured us this, to that location it was like an anchor yeah, yeah it was like a ball and chain like okay it's security sure but like it's also security and we wanted more mm-hmm. freedom um but like most of our money was wrapped up in this house so you know we were still like scrambling to make ends meet um and so the short answer to how are we able to do this we sold our house (laughs) so that's the short answer everybody you know wants to know how are you able to do this basically asking like where did you get the money how much money do you have and it's like the short answer we sold our house (laughs) um we decided to sell our house um, give up having a permanent residence to become nomadic. And so that involved, you know, getting out of the house, fixing up anything that needed to be fixed. Like I was almost done redoing the floors myself there. Cause I said, I mentioned I did a fixer upper and, um, it wasn't, you know, the most modern place in the world and desert hot springs. It wasn't the most luxurious place in the world. But we sold it. it. Involved getting out, mm-hmm. fixing it, selling everything that was inside of it, like our furniture and all of your Disney memorabilia things, and our cars, and our cars. What? So basically, like once we really realized this is what we wanted, we were out of the house in three months. So, but from the time we yeah. decided to do this to the time that we sold our, or like. I guess left our house was three months and then we sold our house, like everything closed like a month later. Um, So really like motivation was the key there. You know, like we had originally said um, when we started talking about it, like our original plan was like, okay, within the year, within the year, we'll get ready to, to sell the house. But we'd already spent a year inside that house. (laughs) Yeah. Like not completely happy with the Mm -hmm. situation and so we realized like well why are we just prolonging this unhappiness we've already established we want this to happen so why are we just like punishing ourselves longer and waiting and that's when we realized like oh we have to stop waiting because nothing's ever just gonna happen to us we have to make it happen And it really took me like two weeks from the time we decided to, you know, to do this, that we said it was going to be a year from now. Two weeks later, I'm sitting here going like, oh, wait, we have to actually do it. But when we when we start doing it, it's happening already. Like it's up to us to make it happen. 
And we did. And we did. And then three months, like we we had sold our cars, mm-hmm. you know, furniture. Uh, like Alex said, all my collectibles. Donate our clothes. Yeah. Like, so, you know, we sold basically, we liquidated all of our assets mm-hmm. so that we had enough money saved up so that we could start this journey, which, you know, we ended up with basically as much as we could fit into two suitcases each and then one like smaller suitcase for our tech gear and stuff um and yeah that's what we own now (laughs) is like stuff that will fit in a suitcase because everything else is sold or donated or gone um you know it it was pretty extreme yeah it, it it wasn't easy but we had the motivation the motivation was there the thing that made it a bit more difficult is we had our sweet baby dog at the time. We had our dog Elvis, um, who was 19 at the time. And so he started this journey with us. He actually went um, over Mexico and the US and Canada, and he actually like made it across the ocean um, to Paris with us. Yeah, you got to see Paris. Yeah, and he, like I said, he was 19 years old and we actually ended up losing him in Paris. Um, It's, it, it, yeah, it was only like um, a few months ago. It was like three, four months ago. Um, So I'm like, I'm devastated. Um, Clearly, I had this dog for almost 20 years. I've had him, I had him since he was a puppy. So, all of that to illustrate that, that you know, there was a, an additional challenge traveling with a pet. But instead of letting that stand in our way or keep us from doing it, we just pushed a little harder to figure out how yeah, to we, make it work. We made room. We found places that accepted pets. Mm-hmm. Um, we got him <clears throat> up to date on, at the time, like all of his shots and chipped and... Mm. The right kind of carrying case and yeah and he was so, a small dog he fit into like yeah a, he was little he was like, he was carryable yeah um, um but yeah so all that to say like it's it, it's not easy but you can do it but we also understand that it's not an option for everyone or even if it is an option for you maybe it will take longer you know maybe it's not exactly what you want but maybe you also have big dreams um you know that aren't exactly the same i mean another thing that we should mention is that we don't have any children right so and children aren't in the plan are not in the plan for us so we do understand that it can be different if you do have children but people you know also do this with children so you know that's not to say you know I, look, I am not assuming that everybody listening to us talking right now wants to do exactly what we did. Um, I'm assuming most people don't want to do what we did. Um, but it's not just exactly that. It's, you know, the the formula for all big dreams, right? It's just like one foot in front of the other. Exactly. Um, and this is just how we did it. The circumstances are going to be different for everybody else, but... The formula remains the same. One foot in front of the other, task at hand, you know, you have to make it happen. It's not going to just happen. It's never going to just feel like, oh, I'll wait till it's time. And it feels, you know, like if it feels like time, then like that's how, you know, like the motivation is there. Like, you know, we were never given examples that of how to do this or that this was even an option. No, and when we started looking for them, we did like the typical thing, at least for us, it was typical. We went online. We started just mm-hmm. searching it out. Uh, we found people who do things like similar to this mm-hmm. on Instagram, on YouTube. Um, and while everyone does it slightly different and has their own take on it, which is important, it did seem like none of them really 100% applied to us. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of forge our own path with these examples and i feel like you know comparing yourself is one of the most dangerous things that you can do because it's never going to look exactly the same as it does for somebody else and i know that our you know 
our inclination is to do that right off to, like you said, go look for an example of it and then base yours off of that example because you don't have that example, which is part of like why we want to talk about it and be an example, but we want to be very careful to emphasize that this is our example. This is what worked um, for us. Sorry, my microphone just like flew across the, um, I'm exaggerating, it just fell down. It just, it fell, just down. fell down at my feet. Yeah, um, <laughs> the little fuzzy part on top there. I was yeah. going to say it flew across the room and I was like, don't lie. Don't lie to the good people. Funnily called a dead cat. Um, should I try to put it back on? Hang on. Give it this a shot. It's going to be not usable audio for a second. That's okay. Um, Nobody was listening to you anyway. They were all here for me. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. yeah, like we don't, like she said, we don't want to be telling you how to do this. Like we want to tell you how we did it. Right. And, and maybe, like I said, maybe you don't even want to do this, but it, you can apply it in some other way in your life, or you're just interested in how we did it. And we can definitely tell you that. And we can definitely provide you with the tools that worked for us to kind of like unlock your brain into changing the way that you think about certain things like you know don't be anchored down yeah if you don't want to i mean we understand this isn't what everybody wants but you can definitely challenge yourself and open your brain up and when you start doing that you know you you can realize it's possible if the motivation's there if the drive is there and if you're like willing to do the hard work, you know, because yeah. you have to actually do it. That's the thing. It's like it doesn't just happen. You yeah. have to do it. And that's a drag. But yeah. you have to, you know, you have to, you have to, <laughs> like for us, you know, we had to sell our house and everything we own. And we had to give up some stuff in order to get some more stuff. Because that's how life works, you know? So, um, at least it does for us that way. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, it can help. It can be either just something that interests you or, you know, an, an example of, you know, something that you've never seen done before, but we're here to talk about it because nobody talked to us about these things even being an option, um, which kind of you know, does bring us back to how, how are you able to do this? Which is going to be like the overarching question of our entire lives at this point. Yeah. It's um, an ongoing answer. It, we're going to be working on answering that question probably the entire time. Um, but for now, if, if you're, you know, still wondering if there's some secret or specific amount of money um, that you need to do this, Please join us for the next episode where we will tell you that no, there is not. <laughs> <laughs> there is no secret. There's no specific amount of money. Um, but what we will do is definitely get more into that pressing question of how financially we're able to do this, which I think is really what most people mean when they say, how are you able to do this? Um, so maybe we can, we'll break it down a little bit more. Yeah. Lift the veil a bit on some of the things that you may not think about. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the next episode, we'll talk about that. There's no secret. There's no secret number. There is no spoon. I don't know what that means. I hope you guys do. <laughs> Somebody tell me, please. It's from the matrix. <laughs> That explains why I don't know what that is. <laughs> anyway, we hope you enjoyed this. <laughs> yes, we hope you enjoy the show. And if you did, please like and subscribe to keep up with our new episodes. Um, I don't know if you know this, but a great deal of research has shown that word of mouth is more effective than other types of marketing. So please share our episodes with your friends. It'll really help us. You can listen to this episode on the podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to see our faces make words, you can watch 
and listen on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram at Emily and Alex, where we share daily stories and updates. We do posts, we do videos and everything that we just said. There's um, something on there every day. If you want to help keep us traveling and help us keep making new shows, we get help from patrons on Patreon. Patrons like Carly, Abby, Kathy, Anne-Marie, Monica, Caitlin, Austin, Catherine, Amanda, and Megan. Thank you guys. And if you find that our content brings you value and you want to support us, you can find our Patreon link in the episode description from this podcast. You'll be able to sign up for bonus content or hear yourself thanked in the credits next time. Until next time. This is Emily. This is Alex. Thanks for sticking with us because this is going somewhere. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.